We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. The podcast today brought to you by MyBookie at MyBookie.ag. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my bonus code, KevinDC, and they will match your deposit halfway up to $1,000. Ben Standings with me. Um, There's a chance that we will have Cooley at the end of the podcast or at some point during the podcast. Um, Look, he's been in pain all week. He's been a trooper all week. I've probably asked a bit too much of him. He had knee surgery a week ago. He's been on pain meds. He's trying to go through rehab. He had a doctor's appointment this morning. He said, I'll try to call in. If not, we can do something maybe over the weekend, Monday at the latest. Um, I'm just not going to push it with him. I know everybody wants his thoughts on what they did, um, but worst case, Monday we'll get a recap from Cooley on their entire draft. Ben Standig is with me um, to start the show. Uh, we are going to go through the Jamin Davis pick. We're going to talk about what Washington will do next. We're going to talk about the NFL draft's first round in its entirety and definitely the Aaron Rodgers uh, discussion. By the way, on my bookie right now, you may want to grab Denver. They are plus 750 right now, so about seven and a half to one to win the AFC championship. They were 30 to one before last night. That's what adding Aaron Rodgers or even the threat of adding Aaron Rodgers to your, to your team uh, can do. By the way, the favorite right now on Aaron Rodgers, Ben, um, at my bookie, uh, is actually, believe it or not, this is crazy. But San Francisco is still up there, and these are updated odds. San Francisco and Denver are the two favorites, along with Green Bay, of course. Uh, San Francisco took Trey Lance last night. Uh, Unless they're trading Trey Lance to Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers, which I guess is a possibility, uh, I think um, that San Francisco's out. Anyway, my bookie, mybookie.ag podcast presented today by my good friends at my bookie. Again, use my bonus code Kevin DC, and they'll match your deposit halfway up to a thousand dollars. Okay, let's get started. Jamin Davis. Actually, before we get started, Ben is, of course, as I've mentioned many times in the past, with the Athletics. Subscribe. Uh, he's got a podcast of his own, Standing Room Only. 
Um, follow him on tw- Twitter at Ben Standing. Uh, everybody knows I love Ben. He's also a two-time mock draft champion on the Huddle Reports contest where he's competed with some of the best. How did you do in your mock last night, first round? Um, well, thanks for having me back. As a, as a writer, I guess I'm supposed to be eloquent with my words, but at the moment, based on a lack of sleep in my performance, all I can kind of come up with is, meh. Um, it was all right. I was like middle of the pack. Uh, I, I think I had eight of the eight picks at, at accurate. I'll, I'll, I'll kick myself for a few more days. Cause there were a few things that I got sort of, I, I can't believe it. I can't say I got talked out of as if somebody, you know, held me at gunpoint and said, you need to change your picks. But, um, I, I think we talked about this here. I have on my podcast, you know, uh, th- when I first started doing these things, I couldn't even, you know, I had no sources of any kind, whatever. And people, you know, and I was to do it all on my instinct. Now my instinct has bit. My instincts are getting suppressed a bit because I'm trusting or listening to more people who I act who 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 know things. But you know, everybody's sort of guessing to various degrees, and I maybe went away from a few things at the last second that I that ultimately proved true that I went away from. In any event, it was okay. Um, you know, a couple things down the middle. The, the the funniest one, as it relates to the here, is when you and I talked the other day. We yeah. went through the first 19 picks we landed on Jamin Davis as the pick for Washington. When I, after I left your council and we had, uh, and I went, it wasn't my council. It. We just both landed in the <laughs> same spot in that moment because yeah. yesterday I predicted a Wuso Koromoa who wasn't even drafted in the first round. But when you and I did the, the show the other day and we did a mock draft going team by team just to see with no trades, just to see what we thought would be available, we both said, Jamin Davis, but not for the reasons they ended up taking Davis, because some of the players we thought wouldn't be on the board were actually on the board. You know, we didn't think Owusu Koromo would be on the board, and that's why we landed on Jamin Davis. Anyway, uh, continue. What was your biggest uh, of the people that you thought you know that you nearly had in the first round that you took out of? What's your big? What's the one you're most pissed off about? Oh, I mean, you know, like Najee Harris of the Steelers was like incredibly obvious, right? Uh, but like, and I and I don't like taking running backs at all. Somehow, I got convinced that Miami would possibly take him at eighteen. I was like, I don't like any of this, but I moved that one. Um, Zayvon Collins to the Cardinals. I mean, I've been talking about that on my podcast for weeks that that was a thing to keep an eye on. And at the last minute, work and I, because I had Devontae Smith falling a, a little bit past where he went, it was like, well, I have to have him go somewhere. Um, and kind of went away from some of my, my, my theories on how to, on how to do some of this to game, you know, game the contest, but I had to, you know, have some success in it. So, uh, you know, a couple of things like that. Um, you know, it's funny, like, because th- that was the thing that always for me defined draft night, um, I would have been more pissed off a few years ago, but last night, like I, you know, was able to get the news that they were going to pick Jamin Davis right as it was happening. And then I had to go into the mode of dealing with that all night. We talked to him, we talked to Rivera and Mayhew and had a right. So I quickly sort of got the mock draft out of my brain for a little bit um, and focused on work. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not licking my wounds as much as I probably would be yet normally. So let's get uh, to Jamin Davis, uh, the selection for Washington at 19. I think you were a part of the Ron Rivera presser. Um, last night, so I'm going to ask you some questions about that. Let me just give you my 
quick, you know, 60 seconds on Jamie, Jamin Davis, and then you can as well. First of all, you know, you and I both landed on Davis, as we mentioned. We've talked about Davis. I thought it would be Owusu Koromoa. He was there. I thought that they would have him higher on their board than they had Davis. I also believe that Elijah Moore, believe it or not, was pretty high on their board, um, and he didn't even go in the first round. Anyway, um, they picked Jamin Davis. Here's my sort of net takeaway. I trust in Ron. I trust in Del Rio. I trust in the group they have there right now. If When it comes to a linebacker, you really out there listening that aren't, you know, real tape watchers, none of, none of us really are, you really do have to trust, you know, your head coach who is a former linebacker, by the way, part of the 85 Bears, your defensive coordinator who is a longtime linebacker in the league, to sort of understand their defense, their scheme, and the position and what fits. And so I'll just start with that. I mean, I watched highlights of Jamin Davis. I know what he did on his pro day and blew away people with a 4.3740 and a 42-inch vertical leap and whatever the broad jump was. Like, he blew people out of the water. He had a four... Uh, a fourth to fifth round grade on him four months ago, and he ended up going 19 overall. But there were several people, Kuiper included, who really were high on Davis. Davis is 6'4", freakishly athletic, um, and obviously these guys think he fits their scheme more than a Wuso Koromoa, who almost didn't really have a position. The other thing, too, is that Davis is tall for a linebacker. He's 6'4", and he's long-armed. He's got a different body type than you're used to. Um, but as somebody pointed out to me late last night, you know, Keekley was tall. Now, I'm not comparing Jamin Davis to Luke Keekley. Luke Keekley is going to walk into the Hall of Fame the moment he is eligible. Okay, remember, Ron Rivera's coached some pretty damn good linebackers. He played linebacker. He's coached guys like Erlocker and Keekley and Thomas Davis. These guys know linebackers, and they had a significant need at the position. So, I loved watching the highlights of Davis when we started to sort of notice that he was climbing up the boards and he was a linebacker, so we all took notice. And I I read that story from Feldman a couple of weeks ago. But the bottom line is nobody really, none of us really know if it'll work out, but the brain trust that they have now in the organization, especially when it comes to their defensive players and linebackers, I'm trusting that they're going to get this one close to right and that there wasn't another player that they should have taken, you know, that we think they should have taken, you know, Owusu Koromoa or Derisaw or Newsom or Morig, who, you know, didn't go in the first round either. Um, I'm just going to trust that they know what they're doing. And the tape from last year shows a guy that runs people down, that is relentless, that has a real athletic freakishness to him. And, you know, he, and by the way, versatility, which is what they love in all of their players. This is a guy that could be a middle linebacker when Bostic's done, but probably starts as a weak side linebacker to fill uh, the role that Kevin Pierre Lewis had. But as far as I'm concerned, I mean, nobody really knows, but I kind of like the pick. And more importantly, I trust that these guys got it right. Ben, what do you say? Yeah, you know, um, 
this somewhat connects with the mock draft or maybe it just connects how with my brain kind of works like um you know instincts are important for this job right i mean you, you have to you have to study the people you're involved in you have to be around to try to guess kind of what's happening and what they think and, and what's important to them and from that hopefully you know you can kind of decipher along the way and when we finish this season right before free agency and before everything else to me um linebacker I, i'm pretty sure i thought was the number one need right now as the, as time progressed and then we, as we started getting into free agency a bit and then we started looking at the draft like it did feel like you know offensive tackle is a premium position right I, i'm not saying they don't need one but the question i always had and i asked ron rivera this uh, uh, during one of the pre-draft press conferences is kind of like where does Sadiq charles fit into all this right so uh, if you are viewing Sadiq charles as a potential left tackle you don't necessarily then need to draft one, you know, in, in round one, at least. I wouldn't be surprised if they draft one on day two, but they didn't need to, to, to do that. And, you know, the other positions, look, you mentioned Elijah Moore. A lot of people have talked about receiver in round one. I didn't, for me, didn't work, but that may have been my own football brain more than what, what they thought. Linebacker always made kind of the most sense. So Michael Parsons, I never really thought too much about because I just didn't think he would slide. So then the question was, well, who? what about the other guys? And, yeah, obviously, uh, like you, ultimately, I – landed on Uso Koromoa. The, the the thing about him, though, during the process, what, what I was going through was the constant drumbeat I heard over and over again was he is not going to be for everybody's system. You have to have a plan for him if you want to make this work. He's a very undersized linebacker. He's not really even a linebacker. He's like this hybrid defender. And my only and then you look at a guy like Jamin Davis, classic 4-3 linebacker, can play all over the place. Uh, Rivera talked about how much he, one of the things that stood out to him was his position flexibility, which is a, a big mantra for Rivera, kind of ranks right up there with culture, um, things he talks about a lot, um, you know, great athleticism. And that's what this defense lacked last year. I mean, you know, obviously you and Cooley talk a lot about John Bostic, uh, Cole Holcomb is, is back. Whatever anybody thinks of those guys, positively or negatively, neither one of them has shown that they are like a playmaker at that position. Somebody who can really help you take advantage of that defensive line. And Jamin Davis, on so many levels, is that guy. Um, I had Greg Cosell from NFL Films on my podcast, you know, a few weeks ago. And I, of course, brought up linebackers, didn't specify anybody, I don't think in particular, just said or said, hey, you know, here's the kind of the group. What do you like? He immediately ran to Jamin Davis. You mentioned Kuyper, um, had him finish, I think, like 14th or 15th on his final mock draft board. But even with all that said, because of the perception, at least, that he was his riser during the process, the, the NFL Draft Advisory Board told him he would probably be a fourth or fifth round pick if he came out of Kentucky. And he said, well, screw that. I'm still going to come out. And obviously, Ron Rivera, at a minimum, thinks that they were way wrong. Um, so it, 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 for me, was sort of like, uh, it's not that I doubted that he was a good player. And I reported out a while ago that Washington had interest in him. And as you said, we both <laughs> landed on him. It wasn't 100% because of who wasn't there. It was part of that, for sure. Um, so he makes a lot of sense. The only sort of question is, it's the one year he wasn't even a starter at Kentucky until this past year. So it's just, you know, you get a little nervous sometimes with the draft. Are you buying into the um, a short-term thing? But it's not about a workout warrior. He did have, a, he did lead Kentucky in tackles last year. He was very productive. Scouts, maybe they were late to it because he wasn't a big name, but people I talked to were enthusiastic once they did see, see the tape and so on. So I think it makes a lot of sense for what they're looking to do. And ultimately kind of what you said, Ron Rivera is a linebacker through and through. That's how he sees the game. And he said last night, 
every time he kept putting on Jamin Davis, he just kept standing out. And over time, it just became clear to him as they you know, sort of mocked out their own scenarios that Jamin Davis was a very realistic possibility. Uh, by the way, I would not have landed on Jamin Davis had in our mock draft the other day had um, Darisaw or Owusu Koromoa been available or Vera Tucker. By the way, I think if Vera Tucker had been there and there was no chance he was going to be there, but if he had been there, I actually think Vera Tucker would have been the pick in front of Jamin Davis. But whatever. Um, there were a couple of other things that I wanted to add to that. Um, you know, um, I, I remember when the season ended, and I'm sure I've had this conversation with you. This is still for Ron Rivera. He still understands that he's in the process of changing a two-decade-old bad culture. And high-character people in this organization on the football roster and throughout the building is a priority for him. And it's a priority for Jason Wright on the other side of the building. As we've said many times, not to beat a dead horse, it's not just been you know a bad football roster. It's been a bad building of, of, of arrogance and... Um, just ineptitude for for too long, and so that that for me was going to was going to be sort of a guiding principle in this draft. They were not going to reach on a guy with any sort of red flags, which is going to bring me to Parsons here in a second because I want to ask you a question. But the other things too is. Kentucky defensively has been really good. They were awesome last year at times defensively. And Mark Stoops is highly respected by NFL people. He has taken a lot of players that were, you know, three star guys Josh Allen, you know, Bud Dupree. Um, Zadarius Smith had a higher grade coming into college when he came into Kentucky. But they've, they've put some guys into the NFL on defense. So there is a trust level in stoops and how these guys are being coached, and I'm sure in their due diligence in conversations um, with that staff about what they're drafting in, in a player like Jamin Davis. Kentucky defensive players, just think about what Josh Allen's become in recent years, what Bud Dupree you know, has the potential to be, and those guys came out young too. They had more experience than Davis, but they were developed by this Kentucky staff. Now, I think the Kentucky staff is surprised that Jamin Davis went number 19, maybe not over the last month or so, but certainly, you know, before their last season started, he wasn't even penciled in to be a starter. The starting middle linebacker had a stroke. Uh, and not a not a good stroke either. Not that any of them are good, but with you know borderline very serious, uh, almost catastrophic results, it was a very sad situation. And Davis was very good friends with this young man, and he ended up taking his spot as as the middle linebacker, um, and then played very well. I mean, there are games you can watch where he's covering Kyle Pitts in a game against Florida, the game against Tennessee. He's all over the field, um, but uh, the point being Stoops and Kentucky defensive players and their toughness defensively in a league obviously with the best teams in the country and they're not a you know they've gone to bowl games you know with at Kentucky that defensively they've been outstanding um back to Parsons for a second um because Rivera said something last night and I want to know how you interpreted it he said that Jamin Davis was the highest-rated defensive player on their board. 
he, he actually he actually we, we had to get clarification on this later because we all were like, whoa, what? But they clarified it later. He was the highest player of the board at the moment they made the pick. OK, that that's what I pro, uh, that's what I presumed, because uh, Russell was on the radio show and said that. And I said, really? And then he said, well, there's still some, you know, we're still not exactly clear. So on the clock, if Jamin Davis was the highest rated player on the board, I just wonder how many defensive players first of all he was the fifth defensive player taken okay which means that he was the fifth highest rated worst case defensive player on their board i don't think parsons had he dropped was going to be in play for them do you so I, the, the issue with parsons of course was more of the off the field things you know there's always some knocks about every player on the field but like was off the field with him was the bigger concern and sort of interestingly that he landed on dallas a team that has shown an ability to look past all the time uh, some people with questionable backgrounds and hopefully it works out for everybody involved but you know right so my my so people kept asking if he gets to 19 what do you think would Washington take him and my and i said if he gets to 19 that means 18 teams in front or you know however many people had you know (laughs) however many people didn't you know, Miami and Jackson have multiple picks, but you know, eight, 18 opportunities to take him. They all passed. That would say to me, too many people had red flags and that doesn't sound at all like a Ron Rivera player. So yeah, I, I, I would imagine he would not have been the pick if he had been there because something would have been up for everybody else to have passed. That's what I think. So that means worst case, he was their fourth uh, rated defensive player on their entire draft board before and, the night started. And, and I will say, though, even with that, so Zaven Collins was one of the players, but I had been told a while ago that he was not a fit for them. I mean, they may have thought he was a good player, but based on that, Zaven Collins is viewed more of a 3 4 mm-hmm. guy. And that was obviously, that's not what they do. So I, my, my belief would be Jamie Davis would definitely be ahead of Zaven Collins as well. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm just looking at it. Uh, Davis was the sixth defensive player taken in 19 because Jalen Phillips went to Miami before, but obviously and they wouldn't have taken him either. Now he might have been rated. I mean, really, he might have been rated higher, but they wouldn't have taken him. Yeah, because I would he, hope not. Yeah, I mean, he was a defensive end, and they, you know, they would have probably taken Need if it was close in that per- in in that situation. Um, look, I again, I, I feel I feel like. You've got competence on the football side of the organization like you haven't had in a while. Certainly not in eight years, you know, since the the entire coaching staff that now is just leading one team after another deep into the postseason. Um, but they they've got competence in the organization and they drafted a linebacker. My God, again, the defensive coordinator, former linebacker, the head coach, former linebacker, the head coach and the defensive coordinator have coached lots of really good linebackers. They know their system. They know linebackers. It'll be interesting to see what Jamin Davis becomes. Bottom line is he fills a need for sure. Uh, that was one of the needs going into it. Now, what else do you think was right there on their board at 19? Had Davis, let's just say, gone to Miami at 18 or to the Raiders at 17? The Raiders took Leatherwood, which was a big surprise to a lot of people uh, that he was taken that early and taken ahead of Darisaw. But if Davis weren't there, who do you think was the pick if they couldn't trade back? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so... You know, so Darisaw was there, right? And as we had played out the the the, the mock draft scenario, we had him going ahead of nineteen. And for most of this time, 
I did as well. But, you know, again, this is sort of like, you know, I, I sort of joked. I, I, there was a few things if I'd read my own reporting, I might have changed my mock draft board. And right. the, the, the Christian Darrisaw one, and granted, I was asking a lot of questions about him versus other prospects because I was curious for Washington. But the negatives that I got back on him were pretty significant. Um, I, I, I mean, m- multiple executives on different teams or prominent scouts came back with some sort of like, you know, you watch the tape, he doesn't play that hard at all times, snap, snap to whistle. Um, his pro day, apparently, I mean, the term sloppy was used when describing his physique. We'll say really? he wasn't really he wasn't working out that day because he had had the uh, the, 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 uh, the core muscle uh, surgery for his, for his groin. Um, but there was some of that going on. And then by the, after you and I got done with the podcast, I really started hearing the idea that, hey, he's probably going to slide past into, he's going to get into the 20s. So, you know, again, as I'm saying, you hear some things, some of it's right, you hear some things, some of it's wrong. So in that one, I, that combined with what I'd already been hearing about him in terms of some of the questions. So I dropped him. So, then, then you factor in what did Washington do with Eric Flowers, right? Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, as you mentioned, was the guy that I was eyeing uh, earlier in the week. Uh, but then – and it wasn't sure if he would be there. And obviously he wasn't. The Jets traded up to 14, and I thought Minnesota at 14 would take him if, if they hadn't traded out. Um, but once they got Flowers, I'm just like, okay, unless there's a Brandon Scherf trade coming up right now, there's too many offensive linemen to take another one in round one. And granted, you could take one today in, in round two and be like, well, Ben, what's the difference? Well, I'm just saying at 19, it, I, if, if we debated it was the top priority, to me, the, the Flowers move said it wasn't. And uh, so I don't know. I'm looking, I'm, I'm not, I, you know, I, I might have said instinctively Uso Karamo, but he, he fell out of the round altogether. I, I'll, I'll give you the wild card here. I think the wild card, like I really had not thought about cornerback much um, for New, them. Newsome. But, no, actually, I, I would probably say Caleb Farley from from what I heard. I think the question was the medical, right? He just didn't know. He ultimately did go in the first round. There was the back issue. But, like, he was – Farley, in general, was arguably the top cornerback in this draft. And I heard at, at one point they definitely liked his talent. Um, so I think he might have been the wild card pick for me because he would have been picked, like I said, top 10 or you know, top 12 pre the second bat procedure, which is a big concern. And it would be a matter of what did Washington – think of it so the fact that he didn't go too many picks later I, I i think i think maybe i would say caleb farley as as something of a value play if they cleared him on medical yeah i um let me just tell you i do not think it was Kadarius tony i i don't think he was no. on their board um and he went to the next pick to the giants after well, they, also, traded they had they just took the Curtis samuel i mean it's, i mean they signed yeah. it's like the same guy but i do think that elijah moore is still high on their draft board but I didn't think that they would take a receiver at 19 I think they liked Newsom but it it wouldn't surprise me if you're right that they also um, liked Farley it's just it was a much bigger risk I think the interesting thing was Darisaw Minnesota traded with the Jets allowing the Jets to take Vera Tucker Uh, I talked to several people the other night who said a lot of teams think Vera Tucker is a left tackle, and others are fine with him being a guard. Even with the shorter arms, Vera Tucker apparently's technique and balance um, and athleticism, there were some teams, including Washington, that saw him as a left tackle. That's why I think if he had gotten to 19, that he would have been the pick. But whatever, he was not going to make it to 19. He's just too good. I mean, the Jets traded up to get him. Minnesota passed on him at 14 with a significant offensive line need, and they traded back to 20. 
23 and got Darisol, which tells me that Minnesota knew Washington wasn't going to take Darisol. And the Colts at 21 and the Colts, were the team. And the Colts yeah. and even the Raiders. You know, that for whatever reason, Darisaw... Now, the reason, I think, you you said some reasons about Darisaw. The other reason is that Darisaw is a true zone scheme offensive lineman, according to everybody. And what does Minnesota run? They run zone run scheme with Dalvin Cook and all of the play action and bootleg off of it. So they must have had real confidence in trading back that they were going to get their guy at 23, which means they didn't think Washington or Indianapolis or even the Raiders would take him. And they were right. They were right. Um, Anyway, all right. uh, I want to get to the rest of the draft, what's next, and also Aaron Rodgers. And we will do that right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I just got word Cooley is going to call in, so we'll get his thoughts on Jamin Davis, and we'll get his thoughts on our next subject, which is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay Brass saying they're not going to trade him, Ben, um, but they may trade him. Uh, and Denver would seem to be the front runner. An AFC team might be a front runner. A West Coast team may be a front runner. But let's just contemplate the possibility that he's available and that all teams um, can come with their best offer. Uh, before I ask you what you would do uh, if you were Washington, let me just give you a minute or two um, on sort of my position on this. Um, first of all, like big picture, I think Green Bay really screwed this up. I'm not taking Aaron Rodgers off the hook altogether. They pay Aaron Rodgers, they pay him well, um, and he has a contract and he has to be committed to his team and his teammates, et cetera. But, you know, I had um, I had Andrew Brandt on the show, on the radio show earlier this week. Andrew was the longtime NFL executive, was with Green Bay in 2005 when they drafted Aaron Rodgers at 24 in that first round uh, in 2005, the famous Aaron Rodgers falling draft. 
Um, and you know, he you know mentioned they didn't want to draft Aaron Rodgers. They didn't want to piss Brett Favre off. But he was the only player remaining on their board with a first round grade, and they were waiting for anybody to offer them two twos to move up to twenty four and let them go back into the second round, even if even if it was a second round pick in that draft and won the following year. But nobody offered them. And they just were going to trust their board. They weren't going to reach for a second-round grade player at 24, and they ended up selecting Aaron Rodgers. This is far different. This is not a uh, you know this is not apples to apples to 2005. This team last year traded up into the first round to select the replacement, the heir apparent for Aaron Rodgers, without Aaron Rodgers knowing it. You know, Brett Favre was pissed off, and Aaron Rodgers wasn't happy, but the Packers didn't want to do it. They did it, but they didn't want to do it. The Packers last year wanted to do it. They wanted to trade for his heir apparent, and they did so without telling him. And I'm I'm not a big inmates running the asylum guy. You know, the, these are, you know, teams who are paying these guys ridiculous amounts of money and they have the right to do what they want to do. But this is Aaron Rodgers we're talking about. You know, the franchise. I think they made a big mistake. And I think they should go to Aaron Rodgers and try to work it out. It's the same thing I said about Houston with Deshaun Watson before all of the Deshaun Watson shenanigans. But I said they need to figure this out. They've got a 25-year-old you know, elite quarterback that they just signed to a massive deal. If this guy, you know, Jack, whatever his name is, um, uh, you know, um, what was the guy's name, the preacher? I can't – I forget the guy's last name – if he needs to go, he needs to go. You know, Deshaun Watson needs to stay. Now, this was before, again, all the recent stuff with uh, with Deshaun Watson. Aaron Rodgers is older, obviously, but Aaron Rodgers is coming off a freaking MVP season where he threw 48 touchdowns and five picks. There's no comp to Peyton Manning going to Denver in 2012. Peyton Manning was thought to have a neck injury that may that he may never be able to recover from. People weren't sure if he would be able to throw the ball more than 15 yards downfield. Tom Brady left at 43 years old after a very mediocre season. Aaron Rodgers is coming off an MVP season. If I'm Green Bay, I beg for forgiveness. I trade Jordan Love, and I give him whatever he wants in an extension to make sure he's wrapped up for the money that he needs for the next four years. Now, is it possible that Aaron Rodgers doesn't really want to play football anymore? I, maybe, and maybe that's you know something they're concerned about. Maybe he wants to be the host of Jeopardy. But, you know, this is a situation in Green Bay where they would have been better off with an owner. Remember, the Packers are publicly owned. They're the only sports team that is publicly owned. They have a team president, Murphy. They've got a general manager. Um, this is probably a situation where you needed a good owner to prevent all of this from, from happening. I still think there's a chance they'll figure it out with Rodgers. But if he's truly on the market and you find out, you know, that you're, you're a potential player, in my opinion, you freaking go for it. You go for it, come hell or high water. You are all in for Aaron Rodgers if you're Washington or if you're Denver or if you're Vegas or anybody else that you know is in the hunt for him. Um, the 49ers apparently offered Garoppolo number three overall, a first rounder next year, and lots of other picks. 
Um, and Green Bay said no. You know, if you're Washington, obviously it's going to take, you know, a couple of firsts potentially. And then in Washington's case, maybe some players. And no player on that roster, as much as I love so many of the players, Chase Young's my favorite player on the team right now. I wanted them to lose that Giants game in 2019 or 2018 so badly. 2019 so that they could draft Chase Young and the Giants couldn't. He turned out to be a phenomenal player. I love Deron Payne's potential. I'm a big John Allen fan. I was all in on Montez Sweat before that draft, hoping that Washington would have a chance and would roll the dice and take Montez Sweat. I don't want to trade any of those guys, but if you told me that Green Bay said, look, it's you in Denver, and you need to up the package, we need Chase Young added to the package. I'm packing Chase Young so quickly and bringing Aaron Rodgers into D.C. because Aaron Rodgers would make Washington a co-favorite in the NFC, even without Chase Young. They'd be right there, maybe a little bit behind Tampa, maybe right there with the Rams, but they would be one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC next year. That hasn't happened in 30 fucking years. And I've had this conversation for the last, you know, coming up on 24 hours now at, with various people are saying, I want to build it the right way. I want to get the, you know, we can find the quarterback. No, you can't. You, you, no one ever can. It's a total long shot that you're going to end up with somebody like Aaron Rodgers. You might, I mean, but it's it's a long shot that it'll happen. You've got a guy that for the next three years would put you in Super Bowl contention each of the next three to four years. You haven't had that in 30. No offense to Chase Young or Montez Sweat or Terry McLaurin or Deron Payne, but none of those guys have you in Super Bowl contention by being on your roster. Aaron Rodgers would put you there. So, by the way, I, I had a similar opinion about Deshaun Watson as, as some of you, you know, um, you know, know. Some many of you agreed, many of you didn't. That's fine. This is what this format's about. Um, but Aaron Rodgers is a cut above Deshaun Watson. Obviously, there's a, a, an age difference um, and all of that. And Deshaun Watson's out of the picture now anyway because of all of the stuff. But, you know, Deshaun Watson, I think, is a player that's great getting better and is in that conversation of the top five, six, seven quarterbacks in the NFL. Really hard to find. 25 years old. I would have done anything to get Deshaun Watson. But Aaron Rodgers isn't a top five, six, or seven guy. He's a top one or two guy. Okay, so it's a it's a cut above Watson. If Aaron Rodgers is into playing football, into revenge on the Packers, and doesn't want to host Jeopardy starting right now or go out and travel the world because he's a different dude, if he's ready to to do that and he'll sign a contract beyond two years, because I don't want to do this if I've got him just for two years. I want him until at least age 41. I want three years minimum of Aaron Rodgers. But I do it. Period. And there's it's a whatever it takes. I'm not offering Chase Young up front. Okay, I'm offering picks. I'm offering a lot of picks. I don't want to give up any of these good young players that I have. But I certainly would if I had to, to get him. You say what, Ben? 
Um, it's too bad you don't have an opinion on that. Um, you should be uh, you should be more uh, open with your with your thoughts. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit bashful every once in a while. Um, what do you yeah. think? Well, I mean, so a couple things. One, like you said, like Aaron Rodgers isn't just one of the best quarterbacks. He's he's either the first or the second best. It isn't just now. Like I've said before that like, and I didn't watch, I wasn't, I'm, I'm old, but I didn't see Johnny Unitas play or anything like that. But of the players I have seen play the quarterback position, I wouldn't rank Aaron Rodgers number one all time based on the totality of performance like Brady would be. But in terms of the peak of the position, the best I've ever seen anybody play, I think the answer for me has been for a while, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he is off the charts great. And, you know, when we talk about the idea of how the most important position in sports there's then even another level above that in terms of like what the potential expectations are from the position. He is so impressive in, in, in everything he does on the field. It's remarkable. And as like a person, as a personality, he's such an intriguing guy. So, so he's funny. He's smart. He, I mean, when I say smart, like he really, I mean, look, he, the jeopardy thing, we're all sort of to some degree make fun of it, but like he won the celebrity version, right? Uh, so, you know, it's not nothing. And to be able to host that show is not easy for a guy who's not, he's not like a, a trained person behind the camera, like, a, a, you know, some of the other people they're going to have on there, like a Joe Buck or somebody. So, like, that takes a lot. It shows a lot simultaneously. And I don't want to get into, like, other things, but, like, you know, there's always that there's that weird story with him and his family and they're kind of ostracized. And now this relationship with Green Bay is very odd like you said it's it, it you know clearly there must be some blame going both ways but it's just an odd dynamic and i don't i don't blame aaron Rodgers for standing up and 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 and, and calling them out for some of this stuff because the, it's not just that every quarterback should do this but he is one of these guys that they should be running it through it's he's too he's too important he's too valuable and you know we're seeing perhaps now the price that green bay is going to pay for not keeping him in the loop even if they were going to take Jordan Love, you know, it seems like they didn't do that. Um, I, in terms of Washington specifically, yeah, I, I I agree. I was not somebody who was in the Deshaun Watson camp in terms of like you got to go get him. Not to say Deshaun Watson's not great. It's just more like, you know, to what degree you're going to gotta gut your team and you know, what, all that. Rodgers would be very interesting though because he is the guy. If you put him on this team right now, you know, let's let's just say you had to give up. We'll just say you had to give up Jamin Davis as the first, you know, the first round pick this year, just for argument's sake, and you had to give up next year's first, and you had to give up another first. Maybe we can not go Chase Young. Maybe it's a different defensive lineman. I, I mean, I think you'd have to, you'd have to do it. I, I was more hesitant on Watson. This one, I'm less hesitant. Now, all that said, there are n- numerous teams in the league that would feel the same way. So there's no reason. Like I had multiple friends last night texting me, "Oh my God, can they get, can they get Aaron Rodgers?" And I know they want like a real answer. I'm like, I have no idea. The odds are long that they would. Denver's jumped at us to be his favorite based on whatever reports are out there. Um, and I don't know what Ron Rivera would think, but one re- like, let me just end on this. I believed when the season ended that the path that they did go down with a Matthew Stafford was the path versus the draft. That Ron Rivera whether it was he was kind of didn't want to go through the young quarterback experience again, or he thought, hey, we did pretty well this year. What if we get this guy? That would put us over the top. And plus, picking at 19, you kind of knew you'd be out of the mix for the better quarterback. So to me, that made that made sense that he would that he would think that. And I think simultaneously, Aaron Rodgers is such a guy that Ron Rivera understands what would need to be done. And I think Ron Rivera probably would be very aggressive in trying to get that player. Obviously, there becomes a point where price, no matter for what, becomes too much. But 
I would imagine Rivera would be all in on, on trying to get this guy versus with Watson, you know, explored, whatever. But I, even before the, his, his personal controversies, I wasn't, it, it, it didn't connect to me as easily because as good as Watson is, he's not Aaron Rodgers. There also with Watson was basically the no trade clause, the ability to wave it off. And so they may have known that, that you know, that Watson wanted Miami or wanted the Jets or remember some of the teams that were mentioned, Washington was not mentioned um, in those teams. So it may have been impossible to get him. Um, anyway, we know that he was aggressive on Stafford, and they didn't, you know, weren't aggressive enough because the Rams ended up um, getting Stafford, um, which tells you that he's not afraid to go for a veteran quarterback. You know, Stafford would have certainly, on paper, had more years left than Rodgers, but Rodgers, you know, it, it's not like we saw Drew Brees signs last year from Rodgers or Brady signs from you know 2019. There's none of that with Rodgers. Rodgers looks. You know, like one of the top two or three quarterbacks, along with Mahomes, you know, um, and anybody else you want to throw. I mean, Josh Allen is, is almost in the conversation. Russell Wilson, but it's really Mahomes and Rodgers. You know, and so Mahomes obviously makes Kansas City uh, a Super Bowl contender every year, and that's basically what Rodgers has done. And I know he's only won one, and I know they've lost the last two NFC Championship games, but they were in the NFC Championship games after thirteen and three first place seasons, and that's what you would be looking at. And we haven't had that for thirty years. I, I just, I guess, I, I know that there are several ways to skin the cat in a specific season. You got a great defense, you got a great running game, you got an okay quarterback, but everybody stays healthy, and you went eleven and five, and you won two playoff games, and you were in the NFC title game, and you lost there, and wow, what a season. But the only way in this league now to have year in and year out a legitimate chance to get to the Super Bowl, to win twelve games, to get to the Super Bowl, to win it all, is to have one of those guys. And when you have one of the two or three guys, well, then you're, you know, basically everybody looks at you every year and says, yeah, they, you know, obviously Green Bay is one of the teams, you know, that's got a chance. You know, they got Aaron Rodgers. You know, Kansas City's going to be that way for years to come. You know, if San Francisco had pulled that deal off, San Francisco t- this morning would have been the prohibitive favorite. To win the NFC Championship game, to win the NFC Championship, Tampa would have been second. The Rams or whatever would have been third. Um, they would have jumped everybody. Now the San Francisco is already going to be considered to be pretty good by getting just all the players that were hurt back. Nick Bosa um, being the, the the clear you know um, answer there. But um, if Denver gets uh, uh, the, if he if Denver gets Aaron Rodgers, Denver becomes the second pick in the AFC to get to the Super Bowl behind Kansas City. Now that roster is absolutely ready to win big with a quarterback. That's been the missing piece. And by the way, there's the perfect example, right? Von Miller really. In recent years, you know, if you're thinking about Chase Young, again, I don't want to give up Chase Young. I would never offer him. I'd say, no, 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 he's off the table until they said, well, he's got to be on the table or you're going to lose Aaron Rodgers. Then I would probably do it. But, you know, hey, how about, you know, John Allen? 
um, even though they love John Allen. Um, how about, you know, I don't even want to give up Montez Sweat, but whatever. Um, lots of picks is what you give up for Aaron Rodgers. That would be uh, pr- uh, preferable. But Von Miller is the perfect example. You know, I know Peyton Manning wasn't great that year, and Von Miller was their MVP. But Von Miller hasn't been back to the postseason since then. They haven't even qualified for the playoffs. Khalil Mack, when's the last time he played in a game that mattered? You're talking about two of the premier dominant, you know, edge pass rushers of the last 10 years. And none of those two have ever even sniffed it except for Von Miller. And he had Peyton Manning. And again, Peyton wasn't great. But you can say Peyton wasn't great, but they haven't been back to the postseason since Peyton retired after they beat the Panthers in that Super Bowl. So I love Chase Young. I love Montez Sweat. I love Payne. I love John Allen. I love these guys. And I want to have a dominant defense. I love watching that kind of football. But you're not having a 10-year or a next three- or four-year run of being a legitimate contender without having the quarterback position solved at a high level. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's great. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I think, you know, they've got a chance, even with their schedule, to be, you know, a team that's, you know, pushing nine wins, nine and eight. We've got a 17-game schedule. Maybe a wild card again. I think Dallas should be the favorite in the division. I do. Um, and I think the Giants are better than people think. But anyway, uh, whatever. That's where I am on the Aaron Rodgers thing. I put out a poll on Twitter. Go to at, go to at Kevin Sheehan DC um, earlier. And I was surprised. I thought it was going to be 50-50. It's 60-40 on basically whatever it takes to get Aaron Rodgers. 60% of the people um, said, yes, do it. Uh, 40% no. I think I did a similar thing with Deshaun Watson, and it was closer to 50-50. So, but, but, you know, look, there's a difference between Watson and Rodgers. But there's also, by the way, a big difference between Watson and 24 other starters in the league. Big difference. And his upside is massive. Um, right. And, and by the way, like, I mean, just to sort of like – you and I, we, we talked a lot, obviously pre-draft about all kinds of things, but including the quarterback. And I think you like the idea of should Washington trade up or would they or whatever. And I think we were both sort of in agreement that, yes, we, you, you and I, I think we're maybe the only two that I heard locally talking about. Just, it was Justin Fields, not Trey Lance. And just for the record, I heard that pretty strongly, even more. Me too. Yeah, me too. So, so um, but anyway, um, the uh, so there's that aspect. Uh, but also like part of the, part of the rationale was if you go in now on a quarterback, say the way the bears just did, the bears are a much different situation. Their GM may not be there next year. If they don't have some turnaround or some perception turnaround, at least he can't wait for what the offseason might look like next year. Ron Rivera can, he signed a five-year contract. They just won the division. He's pretty popular right now. He's running this, the situation seems to be, you know, things seem to be trending in the right way on the football side of things. Um, he's got time on his side. Why would you, force your hand if you didn't have to, which they didn't. You have Ryan Fitzpatrick plus two other quarterbacks, not that just they like, that have shown the ability to play in the NFL on some level, maybe even more with Kyle Allen or maybe with Heineke. I don't know. But there's that. And, like, look where the offseason market. We were saying this for weeks. Aaron Rodgers' situation could blow up. Russell Wilson's situation could blow up. Those are the obvious ones. Who knows? Nobody was predicting Carson Wentz 
was going to blow up a year ago or, or that Stafford would get traded on the college front. I know everybody will say next year's draft class stinks. Give me a break. I know like Zach Wilson and Matt Jones were nowhere. <laughs> exactly. And now they were the, you know, first round pick. So yeah. uh, logically if the, the, the best move to me for Washington was play this draft out the way you would or that. Don't worry about the quarterback, fill in your holes, improve Ron Rivera, super popular. And maybe you do that. You get the 10 wins, win the division or whatever. And maybe now you're on Russell Wilson's shortlist or Aaron Rodgers is open to a trade. Uh, that to me, if you're going to go from zero to 60, that's the better path than the idea of like, well, drafting a quarterback or forcing some trade for a vet that would tie you up that you don't necessarily want because you're thinking short-term, not long-term. And by the way, I am excited about what Ryan Fitzpatrick could be in this system with this team at this point in his career, which has been over the last couple of years, the most productive part of his career. Um, but let's not, you know, compare Aaron Rodgers to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, anyway, all right, let's finish up with this. Um, a second rounder tonight, two third rounders tonight, and then a weekend, uh, a Saturday full of picks. Let's start with tonight. Give me some names that you think they are targeting. Yeah, I'm playing around right now. I, I'm not doing a second round mock per se, but yes, I am kind of going through the exercise just to kind of see what what the board kind of looks like. Uh, players that are in the second round that I'm that I've been told during the pre-draft process they were looking at 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 least positions of of note. Um, bunch of offensive tackles, right? I sort of ruled out offensive tackle in round one because of things we discussed the Flowers trade as well as the um, and, and and what the Flowers trade would mean with, with Sadiq Charles, but also my, my view on Darius. I might be slipping a bit. Um, doesn't mean they shouldn't take an offensive tackle. There is still a question. You know, we don't know that Sadiq Charles is the answer, and it's a premium position. Guys like Sam Cosby from Texas, uh, he might. He, they may have to say we're to trade up for a guy like him, but I know that they were looking at him. Right. I think Walker Little from Walker Little from Stanford, who's a fascinating prospect. He was like a he was getting first round talk in 2018. Yes, that long ago. Game one of 2019 tears his ACL, doesn't play the rest of the year, and last year he opts out. So he people haven't seen him play for a while, but it appears that he still is somebody that teams really like in this range. Um, also, the kid, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but Dylan Raddins from North Dakota State. He, I think, is interesting for Washington. They looked, they, they, they studied him for sure, from what I was told, but all, but he also can be both a tackle and a guard, and that position flexibility is something that's discussed a, a, a lot. Uh, safety, you know, Trayvon Morig is still available. I would assume he's going to go off before Washington picks at 51. Javon Holland from Oregon is a guy that I know they talked to. I was told uh, – well, Javon Holland, I asked him this, and he said this on his pro day um, uh, interview with reporters that he met with Nate Katzer when he talked to Washington at least one time, and because he's a he's a good punt returner, really good punt so, returner. So, so that I've sort of stuck with me because they could obviously use a, an yep. upgrade there. Uh, so there's a couple safeties. He's one. Richie Grant from from Central Florida is another guy to keep an eye on. Um, and then just you know we'll get to the quarterbacks again. I don't necessarily think that they should have to do it, but. All the you know the, the the six seven eight guys are still there. Davis Mills and and Kyle Trask are the ones that I'd heard that they have shown interest in. To me, if you're gonna pull this, gonna go this route, Davis Mills is the the guy that I would be interested in. He was the number one prospect coming out of coming into college out of high school, but he had multiple knee injuries that really limited his play. He only played only had eleven starts, which is crazy at Stanford, but people seem to think if he'd stayed another year, he'd be in the first round conversation 
next year. He's got a lot of the prototype skills. I talked to David Shaw on my podcast, and he obviously he's going to say nice things about his quarterback, but it's the way he kind of went about doing it, talked about his leadership. He was the guy running the huddle. They, they have a pro-style offense. So he would be the guy that I would target if we're going to play this game out. Um, beyond that, you know, obviously tight end is a need. You, you could imagine they would take some point in this draft, but they, I thought the same thing last year and they didn't. So I, I guess those are some of the positions. Yeah, if you want to tell me playmakers, there's a bunch of receivers out there for sure. Wouldn't necessarily be my first call, especially in round two, but there's a bunch of receivers out there. Guys like, uh, you know, a, a Rondell Moore or Terrace Marshall are still out there. All right, let me give um, – th- you had some really good ones in there and some really good information. Let me give you some of the things that I'm thinking. First of all, real quickly, with respect to Justin Fields, that was the guy, in my opinion, that they would have traded up for. How close they got to trading up for him, how serious they were, I don't know. Maybe you know more. I do think that um, uh, that d- d- clearly nobody felt like they had to go up to Denver's spot. Maybe Denver with Sertan falling – um, to them, or not that he fell to them, but or, but Horn went and Sertan was there, and it's Vic Fangio, man, and I love Fangio as a defensive coordinator, and that defense has some talent, um, that's for sure. Um, uh, but, you know, could Washington have gone from 19 to 11? Well, no, because the Giants weren't going to deal with them, and don't give me the example that, well, Philadelphia and Dallas did a trade. Well, that's not the same thing for, you know, Washington coming up nine spots to get a quarterback. The Giants were going to do that deal with somebody else. You know, the Cowboys moved back two spots, still got Parsons after they lost out on Sertan, who went to Denver. Um, And then, you know, but it was for an extra, what, third rounder to move up two spots. And Philadelphia got Devontae Smith. And I heard people say, why would Dallas, you know, allow, you know, Philadelphia to take uh, Devontae Smith? Well, if it wasn't Philly, it more likely would have been the Giants. The Giants probably wouldn't have traded with the Bears at 11. Let's just say the Cowboys had taken Parsons at 10. Then the Giants would have taken Devontae Smith and the Bears would have been dealing with the Eagles at 12, more likely than not. So Devontae Smith was going to end up with one of the two NFC East teams. If you're a Dallas fan, or you know, you shouldn't be upset that Devontae Smith ended up in Philadelphia. The alternative was he probably ends up in New York. Anyway, I, I'm 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 losing steam here. Bottom line is I have no idea how serious they were about Justin Fields. I just know that if Fields had fallen certainly, you know, closer to them or to 19, that that's the guy that they would have gone for. Um, I know you feel the same way, but did you get any sense as to if they were ever close to pulling the trigger on anything? Yeah, I mean, obviously we asked about that last night, and, you know, they didn't seem to be, you know, obviously they're not going to tell us exactly everything that went down, but they didn't seem to be overly worked up one way or the other about it. And kind of like I said, like, you know, this is, again, not to go back to my dopey mock draft, but, like, I kept saying all process, the bears have to do something significant. They, they are, they need help. They need to change the conversation. They did that. It just didn't feel like Washington needed to right. for all the reasons I already stated. So no, I don't, I don't get the sense that they were that close to, to doing it. And uh, you know, I, look, it's, Justin Fields is such an interesting thing. We'll see how his career works out. Uh, but by the way, Ohio state quarterbacks typically are bad in the NFL and the bears have never had a 4,000 yard passer, I think. So the fact that both of those storylines are merging into one spot is going to be really interesting to watch. So I, I don't get the sense that they were particularly close, uh, but I, you know, I haven't heard, I at least not have heard that at this point. <laughs> the Bears had Mike Tomzak um, many years ago. Um, all right, let me give you a couple of names. Uh, first of all, I think I mentioned this in our opening segment. 
I think they really like Elijah Moore, the wide receiver from Ole Miss. I don't think that they were going to take a wide receiver at 19. He didn't even get drafted in the first round. I think he's going to go early in the second. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Um, But I do think now wide receiver is in play, and I'm going to give you a couple of other names. Tutu Atwell, the receiver from Louisville, whether it's in the second or third round, um, is electric. Rondell Moore, if the medical turns out well uh, from Purdue, would be a phenomenal Ad um, Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan uh, is also, by the way, one of the t- one of the true lethal punt and kickoff returners in the country. And uh, you know, I've mentioned some of these names in the past. Um, Diami Brown from North Carolina is a name to keep in mind as well. I think there's probably some interest not only from Washington but a couple of other teams. I think he's moving up the board. If you watch Carolina at all, I mean, they had so many offensive players, Sam Howell, and then the running backs. Um, Brown was number two as the receiver, and he is what they like. You know, they they like guys that get separation. They like hands catchers, not chest catchers. Um, they like, um, obviously, guys who are elusive and versatile. You know, fly sweep guys and guys that can line up, you know, in the slot and the outside. You know, the funny thing about that offense last year, how many times did we see Terry McLaurin, the X, actually lined up in the slot, you know, and uh, in, a, in a mismatch with, with a linebacker. Turner did a good job. But I think that receiver, it, it, I, I would be a little bit surprised. I think they'll go best player on the board, um, but there are a lot of receivers possible at 51 and then even more potentially in the third round. And again, the names, you know, Elijah Moore is not going to be there, but Atwell, Rondell Moore, um, Diami Brown from North Carolina are guys uh, I would think about also Dwayne Eskridge just because um, you know if you watched uh, you know any of the action on Tuesday nights um, he was a spectacular talent and and also you know you mentioned uh, you know uh, punt returner they need a punt returner and kick returner and he would be that uh, for them day one um, offensive line. I don't know what they think of Tevin Jenkins, and I don't know what the rest of the league thinks of Jenkins. Jenkins was a projected first-rounder. I don't know where he goes. Everybody will have him as like the next offensive lineman off their board. Um, uh, Liam uh, Eichenberg from Notre Dame is probably with the short arms a guard at the next but, level. But by the way, just just on Jenkins, um, I was told by people, by, by some pretty good sources, that I – I didn't hear that he specifically wasn't in play for Washington, but I heard that teams were only looking at him as a right tackle, which obviously for here is right. in theory, not in play. Yes. So also I had somebody tell me he's kind of, they described his personality. He's like kind of an odd guy. And I had one GM tell me he thought he would fall out of the first round. I, most people obviously did not have that. Um, so I, I guess it feels like between the right tackle and whatever the personality thing is, I don't you know. Could maybe he tells, maybe he tells uh, bad jokes. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, or, or, you know, he, 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 uh, well, who knows what that means, but I, yeah, he's, to me, he's not an option for Washington, even though he would be considered one of the better tackles available. I think Cosme is an option. If he lasts there, I do not think Walker little is an option for Washington. Um, I would be surprised if they draft him. Um, the quarterbacks, I'm going to stick with what I've been saying, which is if they didn't trade up or if they didn't draft somebody at 19, I don't think a quarterback's being selected by Washington tonight. Um, and if I'm wrong, I actually think it would be Trask. 
Um, but I don't, I, I don't see them drafting a quarterback tonight. Um, you know, whether it's Mills or Trask or Mond. I, what wouldn't surprise me is if they added a running back. You know, whether it is a Jamar Jefferson or if one of the Carolina guys, obviously it would be Javante Williams that would drop that they'd be most interested in because he's sort of not Antonio Gibson. Um, you know, I've heard people tell me Gainwell from Memphis. Obviously that would be Gibson's former teammate. Um, I like uh, – I love Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo, but again, he's got more Gibson, you know, open field uh, – uh, you know, and also some McKissick to him. Um, but I love Patterson and his vision, even though he's on the smaller side. Same thing with Jefferson and his um, his vision. And I feel the same way about Puka Williams Jr. Uh, out of Kansas. I think he's going to be a good back. And Jake Funk, which I've mentioned before. Um, I am interested. I would love to know, and I have no idea, um, what they think of Fryermuth, the tight end from Penn State, who is a really reliable, versatile tight end. I mean, it's possible he could be there at 51. Uh, Stanford Steve, who came on the show the other day, his favorite player in the entire draft is Tommy Tremble, the Notre Dame uh, tight end who is incredibly versatile. Um, you mentioned safety. Um, I would also throw into the safety conversation, I think you mentioned, did you mention um, – uh, Richie Grant or not? You you mentioned, I mentioned him in passing. I, I okay. didn't get a sense that Washington was like one of the teams. I, I didn't hear him mention connect with Washington a ton, but presumably, I'm sure they they, they took a look at him. Our guy Dane Brugler, he was his top safety in the whole class. So right. I, I presume Washington uh, has taken a long look. I I wasn't thinking about Holland, but I think your reasoning for it and the fact that you mentioned that they did you know spend some time with him and he was a big time punt returner. Um, at Oregon, that that's um, an interesting possibility as well. Um, oh, well, corners. I think that Newsom was a player that would have fit perfectly for them. Um, it'll be interesting. God, we, we ended up having, and I, I we Cooley and I talked about this, that this was a good corner draft. It really was. This first round, you're, you're going to see s- some guys – um, Horn and Sertan, um, and you know, to me, Newsom. Even though Farley went before Newsom, Farley obviously would have been the uh, at the top of the draft. But he's had he just had a second lower back microdiscectomy surgery. That's that's scary stuff, man. Uh, you know that that's that's telling you he's got major disc issues. That's a big risk. Um, and then you know you had Eric Stokes go uh, from Georgia. So what is that? Was there five? corners taken in the first round last night? Uh, Horn, Sertan, uh, Farley, Newsom, and Stokes. Yeah, five corners taken in the first round. Wow. Um, Anyway, uh, okay. Uh, Thanks for doing this. Um, Read Ben on The Athletic. Listen to his podcast, Standing Room Only. Uh, we will talk, I'm sure, in the coming days. Ben's on my radio show every more, uh, every Monday morning at 8 a.m., and we will be recapping the draft on that. Uh, but when we come back, Cooley uh, is going to call in and give us his thoughts on Jamin Davis and maybe even Aaron Rodgers as well, right after this word from one of our sponsors. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. 
Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Cooley is available today, and I appreciate you making time. And I told everybody this has been a rough week off that knee surgery. You've been in pain, and you've been a trooper all week long. And I'm not going to keep you long because I know uh, you're you're busy today. But I think uh, I want, and I think everybody else wants to know what you think of the selection of Jamin Davis. I like Jamin Davis. Just the selection at 19 for what it is, I think he fits a need. I think he is a really quality player at the position. You may have been reaching a little bit, but for the immediate need, I don't mind at all. Uh, To me, when I watch him, I see a guy that that plays with speed. He can go red line to red line, can run guys down. He's got real nice quicks in the open field. I think he plays with instincts in the inside. You see him attack run plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage, which I like. You see him you know, really play some of the zone read stuff well, some counter run action, uh, misdirection. He sees it and is able to sniff it out pretty quick. I think he does a pretty good job as a pass dropper as well. I mean, when you watch the highlights, you see him pick off a couple of passes. My God, when you watch the highlights, you see everybody make plays against Tennessee. Tennessee's offense was They're a t- highlight t- creator. Yeah. They're horrible. Yeah. So I don't really care about that. Um, I don't know if he plays truly at a 4-4. Obviously, he runs a 4-4. I don't know if his football speed is quite at that spot right now. Um, So I think he's probably more of an instinctual guy than a a always know exactly what I got kind of guy, and that's something that they can work on with him. You know, When his instincts take him there, he's playing fast. When they don't, it's a little bit slow. So I think, you know, as he continues, he should grow. Uh, But I think 
the traits and the abilities are, are quality. I think the other thing I like, he's a physical player. He'll take on blocks. He's not afraid to hit. He's not afraid to put his nose in there. So I think you, you got a three down backer, which is big time for them. It's, it's huge. Where does he play as a three down backer? Inside. I'm, I'm assuming. I don't know exactly where they'll put him. I, I would, be trying to draft a Mike linebacker. They keep probably be more of a strong side backer though. Everyone's trying to say this is their Thomas Davis, not their Luke Keekley. So Thomas Davis was the strong side backer in that four three. So it'll be interesting where they play him. I'm sure that I'm sure that they believe they're getting a t- really talented football player that has instincts and could probably play anywhere. And yeah, figure I mean, it out. they definitely talked about sort of his versatility. I mean, right now, Bostic would be pen- penciled in as the Mike linebacker, and you'd have Holcomb and, you know, based on the depth chart and losing, you know, uh, losing KPL, you know, he's going to be your third starting linebacker unless Khalil Hudson beats him out. Um, and so, you know, you, but you can put him on the field, and it sounds like they think they can put him on the field almost anywhere. Yeah, I think that – that's their absolute belief. I mean, you're not reaching to take a linebacker that you're going to play situationally. I, t- I, said yeah, I mean, and, and they did reach for it a little bit, in my opinion. I think there's a chance he would have been there seven or eight picks later, and I think there's a chance he would have been there ten picks later. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, Ben and I, Ben was on with me, and we talked sort of about, you know, some people had him up there, like Kuiper. You know, when they came to the 19th pick, I think Davis was one of the top five available players, you know, on, on Kuiper's big board. Kuiper really liked him. I mean, this guy blew away people, you know, at his pro day. I had um, conversations with, with Bruce Feldman and others. This guy had a fourth, to, fourth or fifth round grade on him in January. And then he blew everybody away at his pro. And that guy's a dope. What'd you say? I said, then that guy's a dope. Well, it's not that guy. You don't guy. watch someone run a 40 and go fourth to first It's not on your evaluation. It's not It's not that guy. He was saying that the, the evaluators, when Kentucky I know, went the out. Evaluator, and, the evaluator's a dope. Yeah. Well, um, they had the Kentucky found out that in January there was like going to be a fourth or a fifth round grade on him, and he said, "I'm coming out anyway." And he obviously blew people away at the pro day. So you're saying the pro day, you know, which seemingly elevated him into this prominent position of potentially being drafted in the first round. You think it would have happened without that great pro day? That the tape it might not have happened without that great pro day, but if you didn't see him on film as a second rounder, you should have never taken him in first, even you know after a pro day like that. Do you, did like you... that doesn't translate? That doesn't none of that stuff translates. I, he's never going to jump forty two inches on a football field. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like he's just none of that ever translates. It, we... it never works that way. It all it should do is confirm what you're seeing on tape, and I do think that there's enough speed. Um, and that, but I, here's the other thing I like is I, sometimes I'm questioning, like, is this guy got the juice is, and then you see he's a four, four guy and you're like, okay, he does. Maybe there's something he's not quite seeing. It's not, but he's, he's not, not seeing it and slow. He, there's just a part portion of it missing. If um, any of that made sense. I don't know. Um, what is the, what but, did the tape say? Yeah, what did the it, tape it just say confirm that? What what round grade did the tape say to you? 
second. Okay. But a potential starter, obviously, in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can get starting linebackers all the way through the draft. I mean, and then when you get the speed and some of the stuff that he did at his pro day, the, the combine stuff, it, it just should just confirm what you see. I didn't watch a ton, to be honest, on on Davis. I, I really didn't watch a ton. Right. But I see I see a pretty good football player. Um, other thoughts about the draft last night? I thought it was really interesting that San Francisco took Lance. We talked about that. I knew they, they wouldn't take fields. I thought Lance was kind of the wild card in that position. Um, you know, there's a higher ceiling for Lance, for sure. And Kyle must have believed the exact same thing. Uh, that's big time. I thought the Bears did a heck of a job getting up from 20 to 11 to take fields. I'm wondering, you know, we talked about Washington potentially trading up for a quarterback. It had to have been Lance that they liked because from everything I've heard, they didn't try to make a move for Fields or Jones. So it must have been Lance that was was the guy that they liked. Yeah, or they a- just weren't ever going to do it. Um, I wouldn't have been upset had they traded up to 11 to take Fields. I think that probably would have been something they should have inquired about. And it wasn't like the Bears had to give away the farm. Yeah, the, the the thing was, again, you were dealing with the Giants, and the Giants were going to deal with the Bears, not with Washington. I do think that Fields was but the— you could have, uh, Yes, you might have had to move up to nine. Yeah. I, I do think Fields was the player that they were interested in, um, but I then, don't know how they should have went up to nine. Um, they were uh, well. That would have that that would have meant that Denver wanted to deal, and you know, right now Denver's the front runner for Aaron Rodgers, and that's where I wanted to finish the conversation with you. Um, Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. Green Bay saying they're not going to trade him, but Aaron Rodgers has more leverage in this situation, I think, than maybe any any NFL players had. I mean, he could retire and become the host of Jeopardy tomorrow if he wants to be. Um, I I've already said it. I, if Aaron Rodgers was interested and Washington was in the hunt for Aaron Rodgers, there is just very little, if anything, that I wouldn't give up to get Aaron Rodgers for the next three years and have him make Washington an instant contender to get to a Super Bowl out of the NFC for the first time in 30 years. Yeah, that to me is a no-brainer. If Aaron Rodgers is available, if Washington got in the mix with Denver and the Raiders and anybody else um, that's going after him, um, I would make sure that I had the best package offered. I'd be super aggressive going after Aaron Rodgers, and there wouldn't be one player on my roster that would be untradeable, even though I don't want to trade Chase Young. I don't want to trade Montez Sweat. I don't want to trade Terry McLaurin. I don't want to trade Deron Payne. But if it came down to them saying, we're weighing your offer and Denver's offer, and you're going to have to throw in Chase Young to make it happen, I would do it. And I wouldn't even think twice about it. Your thoughts on uh, Aaron Rodgers being available for this team and whether or not this organization should be super aggressive going after him? Well, I think, first of all, both parties are wrong in this situation. I think Aaron Rodgers is absolutely wrong to demand out, say he won't return. He signed a contract. He's a Green Bay Packer. He's won a Super Bowl with the Packers. He's ingrained in that organization he's got teammates i mean i get it your butt hurt over a quarterback but they've put together an offense around you the done 
what you wanted to do. They've catered to him and your butt hurt over Jordan Love. Grow up. Like, grow up and make sure that you beat him out every year. Come on. And what's more, if it gets to a point where they're like, we might want to start Jordan Love instead of pay, paying Aaron Rodgers, how much money do you need? Like, just play it out. No other players really talk about it this way, feel the way that I feel. I just, I, I have this, like, I loved when Tom Brady took a little bit less so they could continue to win. Obviously, things changed there, and that's soured as well. But I just think, gosh, this last contract's been so absolutely massive. And if it, if it were get, to get to the point that it's, it's Rodgers or Love and it's based on money as much as it is, talent, and, and Aaron Rodgers should go in there and say, hey, look, well, I'll make this work here for you guys. You're still going to pay me good money, but you got to trade Jordan Love because it's going to be me. I don't, I don't know. I don't like anything Aaron Rodgers is doing in this situation. It's they're not. They didn't show him a true lack of commitment. They just drafted a quarterback. Well, they tra- they traded up into the first round. Yeah, I to got, draft I his got replacement. You. And and you know what? Maybe part of that trade up wasn't because they didn't think Aaron Rodgers have. Maybe it was because they knew Aaron Rodgers has a lot of other interests, and in three years he might not want to play football. Yeah, which is what it sounds like, anyways. And honestly, like some of this trade stuff or some of this, I'm not going to play for you might just be, I don't want to play football at all. And I, but I don't want to pay any of the money back. I can't quit. He can't quit. He'd have to pay a lot back. It might just be that he's done. You know, that's definitely a, a part of the conversation that I mentioned with Ben earlier is, you know, if, if you have any sense that really where his mindset is, is that his career is winding down. He just wants one more year, and he wants to prove him wrong somewhere else, and you know, and 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 get paid these last two years. But he doesn't want to do it for them anymore, and he can't wait to be the host of Jeopardy or do other things because he is one of those kinds of guys. He's he's got a lot of other interests, and you know, then then you you shouldn't do it. Um, and maybe that is why they drafted Jordan Love. I think that's a fair you know, uh, a consideration that they feel like they're dealing with a dude that's a little bit prickly, um, which is what Scott sort of described him as, and 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 that he isn't always easy and he's not always there. And, and, you know, but at the same time, when you trade up into the first round, you don't even let him know in almost every pick for the last seven or eight years in the you know, first round, second round have been defensive players. You know, um, I... You know, by the way, I hate when people say when you draft defense, that's not helping a quarterback. Well, of course it is. If you've got a great defense, it's helping everybody on your team, including the quarterback and the offense. But but at the same time, I, I, I'm not taking the Packers off the hook. There there was a smoother way for this to go down last year. Um, and trading up into the first round and drafting his replacement, you know, uh, without him knowing about it as clearly a guy in a franchise that should have some input to a certain degree. I'm not for the inmates running the asylum at all, but he's Aaron fucking Rodgers. No, I, I agree with you so, wholeheartedly. Like, I think Green Bay's at fault as well. Like, you, you just don't put pressure on this kind of a guy. Back they to- did it far. Yeah, but it was different, and I explained that uh, earlier because I had, ironically, on the radio show this week, Andrew Brandt talking about the 2005 draft. He was part of the you know, the decision-making team for the Packers in 2005, and he said, 
he said, he's like, we didn't want to draft Aaron Rodgers. We were waiting for anybody to offer two second rounders, you know, their second rounder yeah. this year, their second rounder next year to move up to 24 in the first round. We didn't want to piss Brett Favre off, but he was the only guy at 24 that had a first round grade on him left in the fir- in the draft, you know. And- yeah, fair enough, but they still did it. Yeah, and but they, they didn't trade into the far. first round with the goal of selecting I, Aaron Rodgers' replacement. They didn't and want to do, do think, it to Favre. Do you think Favre, do you think that made any difference to Brett Favre? It didn't. It was very difficult for all of them. No, it made no difference. He, if you didn't want to do it and you knew the guy, the beloved quarterback who was your guy was going to be pissed, then don't do it. Okay, draft but, somebody else. Well, then you're going to make a big drafting mistake. Okay, fucking who cares? Like, we're going to trade three firsts to get a quarterback at any point in at any point in the draft or any point when someone needs a quarterback. We're going to go all in to get a quarterback. Like, we would Washington to move up to nine would have had to give away next year's first. Yeah. So who cares if we reach thirteen picks on a dude? To not piss off Brett Favre. <laughs> well, you know what? It turns out they were 100% right to do what they did, even though they really didn't want to do it. It I turned know, out to be great. The point is, if you really didn't want to, I, you there's one spot no, that had, you want to keep they happy. They had a philosophy, trust the board. Uh, but yeah, I well, That philosophy is a drafting philosophy. Okay. It, it's, not, it's not likely always how you manage your team philosophy, I which, which went into that. It's the same deal. I understand what you're saying. It's just not apples to apples to the Jordan Love situation. No, but it would not have been hard to avoid drafting Aaron Rodgers. By the way, you know the other thing that Andrew Brandt told me that I had never heard before? He said, um, he said, first of all, you know, Gibbs traded up with Denver at 25 to select Jason Campbell. Gibbs loved Campbell. And he said all of the, you know, draft grades, which, you know, is almost as ridiculous as, you know, the draft itself in terms of being able to grade a draft, you know, only a couple of picks after, a couple of of hours after it's done. He said that, you know, so many uh, experts said Jason Campbell was the much better pick at 25 um, than, than Aaron Rodgers. He said he saved all of those. He also told me one other thing that I thought was really interesting. He said that Brett Favre spent all of his off-seasons in Mississippi. He didn't live, live in Green Bay in the off-season. Aaron right. Rodgers immediately moved to Green Bay. So all of the off-season work was with Aaron Rodgers handling all of the reps. And he said that right from the jump, players were coming to him and coaches saying, oh, my God, this guy is fucking great. And, like, they knew, they didn't know it on draft night. You know, they had a first-round grade on him, and they, they, you know, they had a high first-round grade on him, which is why they didn't want to reach. They wanted to trade it and move back and not take him. But they said they realized because of the players very early on that this guy was there definitely going to be the answer. Like, he was running everything, and there was no difference between him and Favre. Oh, there was a difference. Yeah, he was, he was be- better. He, he was better. <laughs> yeah. No, my argument of you shouldn't have taken him with Favre has nothing to do with. I understand. Once you took him, once you took him and he was better, you should have got rid of Favre. I, I, I get that. Yeah. Well, you know what? If, if I were Green Bay, I, I absolutely would right now say, Aaron, you're our guy. We're going to trade Jordan Love. Um, we are going to pay you the extension. 
We need you to be committed to us, though. We need to know that you want to play football and not host Jeopardy and move on with your life and do all these other things. Um, and you know what? We fucked up a little bit. We did. And we – look, you don't – this is Aaron Rodgers. He's not Peyton Manning coming off neck surgery going to Denver. He's not Tom Brady at 43 leaving New England after a mediocre year. He's the reigning MVP. He threw 48 touchdowns and five picks last year. And for the second straight year on his back, you got to within a game of the Super Bowl. And last year, you know, if not for a crazy ending of the first half and then taking the ball out of his hands on fourth and goal, they may have been in the Super Bowl. Uh, so that leads me to what you haven't answered yet, which is if he is truly available and they're taking offers, if you're Washington, how aggressive would you be? I certainly want to have a conversation with Aaron Rodgers. I'm a pretty honest one. Like, look, is this to play football somewhere else? Cause you, you can't stand green Bay and you just love football so much. And you just want someone to t- truly love you. Cause if that's the case, whatever it's going to take, we'll, we'll get there. And it's funny, Washington would actually have the capital to get a guy like Aaron Rodgers because they don't want a quarterback. So, and they're, they're struggling so on defense. I mean, I, I think I told you on the phone yesterday, I'd give away two of the defensive linemen we have right now and next year's first. Uh, which ones? Pick them. So you're in my you're in my uh, boat. That if they said we need Chase Young and uh, John Payne, John Allen, you'd, you'd give away two. I don't think I. So I, I think I said you, to you. I trade. I trade Young and Montez. Now I think I'm going to keep one of my edge rushers. Like here would be the preferred deal. Let's trade Montez, and you can pick Payne or Allen. You're going to have to restructure with one of those guys, which they're good dudes. Um. I'd offer Payne first because I think we're in the same boat. Like Payne might be a little bit better, but they love Allen and Allen's the leader. I keep Allen in there. So let's go sweat Payne and your your, your connection's breaking up. But you just said sweat Payne and then first next year. The 49ers apparently offered number three overall – Garoppolo, and then a bunch of other picks, including I think next year's first and some thirds and fourths and whatever. So um, you would, by the way, I want to make this clear: you would give away Young if it meant getting the deal done or not getting the deal done. Yep. Um, but you're so I'm with you. There's, but that means but I don't that w- means I know he's going to play for me for five years. Like I know he's going to be. Yeah, there. you got you got it. You got to get you got to get the contract extended. And I don't know if it's five years. Five years puts him at forty three years old. Um, but it, he definitely has to play for you for the next three because you're going to have a chance to to be in a Super Bowl in the next three years, and you're going to be a contender each year. I, I I was I told Ben earlier the odds for Denver and San Francisco and um, and uh, you know Denver in particular because they're now sort of the front runner. They basically dropped from like you know uh, thirty to one to seven to one to win the AFC Championship. They haven't even signed him yet. Um, Washington's odds have dropped a little bit. Carolina's odds have dropped a little bit. Um, anyway, uh, well, maybe just, just in anticipation, in the NFC is going to drop because maybe Vegas knows that Rodgers won't be there. So I, Green Bay's odds would drop. 
If I were if I if I were Green uh, Green Bay's odds did drop. Um, if I were Green Bay, I would definitely wouldn't deal them to an uh, an NFC team. You know, it would, it, I'd I'd be looking at the Raiders or Broncos. The Broncos are set up to win with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it would be it would be them and the Chiefs. You know, toe to toe for the AFC Championship with Aaron Rodgers in Denver. That's the thing. I hear I, what you're saying. I'm just so much more of the I'd take care of my own organization the best way possible before I'm too worried about a team we might play once every other year. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, but but the bottom line is, if Aaron Rodgers really wants to play football, and by the way, wants to go out and kick ass for another three to five years, you'd be all in. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think he does, though. That's interesting. Um, okay, uh, go get some rest, and I will talk to you on Monday when the draft is over and we've got all the Washington players in the fold. Uh, all right, that's it for the day. Enjoy the weekend back on Monday. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.